All right, welcome back to the Blaze Experience. If you're joining us today, you're coming back for episode number 19. And episode 19 this time will be all about Warhammer Vermintide 2. But today when we speak about this episode, we do have a guest again. We have coming back for his sixth appearance on the podcast. Welcome back, Monty. Hello, thank you. Yeah, it's good to yeah, be back. Yeah, thanks again. for coming back, Monty. I mean, especially with Warhammer. This is, this is my realm. This of is what you've always told me, so we'll, we'll see how good you do here. Oh, but. <laughs> this is where I'm going to get everything completely wrong. We'll be getting lots of comments all over the place. Like, who is this guy? He didn't know anything about Warhammer. <laughs> if so, shame on me. But actually, interesting enough, I was thinking today. You've actually been on the podcast for four out of the six games on the podcast, so you've been very spread out. I have. I I haven't been on for um, State yes. of Decay. State of Decay and the Darwin and Project. I yep. And then Darwin, yes. And State of Decay, I haven't really played yet. I've started, but I really need to get into it. Um, and Darwin Project, again, I need to download it. Because you're, you're trying to force I am trying to, to force it. you to play. It's a good game. You should play it. <laughs> I will when I get the But time. considering I've done like six episodes for State of Decay so far, I mean, you'd really need to get on that game too. So I do. Otherwise, I'm going to lose my place. As the you will. I'll have to find somebody else. <laughs> but anyway. that being said, we are definitely here to talk about some Warhammer today. So... Um, before we get into Vermintide 2 a little more, I thought we could kind of speak about our experience with the universe as a whole. I know for me personally, I don't have much experience with it. Basically, my experience is centered just around Blood Bowl, which if anyone doesn't know, Blood Bowl is basically a game in the Warhammer universe that is sort of like a football game, but it's with the, I guess creatures from the warhammer universe so essentially you'd have like a skaven team you'd have a lizardman team and you play you know this football game against each other and that's basically my total experience of warhammer until this game i know Monty, you've had a lot more experience if you want to talk about some of your experience with warhammer well i've been playing warhammer since about 2010 um and that's been both warhammer fantasy and 40k um so fantasy sort of you have all these different races, and they all have they all have their different sort of lands within uh, the universe. So, like what I played, I played the Lizardmen. Love the Lizardmen. Sort of their story was, oh, I can't beat the Lizardmen. They're amazing, um, but they're literally just a race of dinosaurs that ride on dinosaurs, and they live in sort of a jungle. And they were created by the old gods as part of their plan. But then the old gods abandon them, and they're trying to continue the old gods' plan on their own. And sort of, they live in these jungles called the Jungles of Lustria. And sort of, there's when pretty much whenever anyone tries to invade these jungles, it goes awfully for them. So they have one unit called Chameleons, and they're like they're stealthy little guys with with blowguns, and they have like one named character. And this one named character took out like, an entire horde of orcs on its own just by stealthing around in the jungle. Well, yeah, they're orcs. They're stupid. So... <laughs> <laughs> but so I've I've been playing Warhammer for a while. And that's just a little bit of an insight into Lizardmen. Um, but they also have like a vast hatred of the Skaven because the Skaven constantly attack them. And the Skaven... Obviously, they're a big part of Vermintide too, because they're basically it's definitely. Name. And I mean, who doesn't um, want to kill rats? So you know, this game is all about killing rats. Exactly. So just get to smash some rats around, you know, shoot them with some bows and arrows, some guns. Hey, gotta love killing rats. All the good stuff. So I I I very much enjoy killing rats in in Vermintide too. Same here, because it's a personal vendetta. And even though I don't have the experience you have with Warhammer. I definitely fell in love with the Lizardmen too from Blood Bowl because in Blood Bowl they're just so fun to use and particularly using the Saurus type that they have. The Saurus is so strong and so fast at the same time and it's really fun to use that. Yeah, well, what's not to love about them? They're just dinosaurs. Yeah, exactly. That <laughs> ride on dinosaurs that have other bigger dinosaurs. 
it's the perfect combination. But I think that is one cool thing about the well. Warhammer universe, though, is that even for me, just playing Blood Bowl and that's it, I still got a sense of the universe just from that game because the Skaven were in that universe, you know, the, mm. the Chaos were in that universe as well. So I still got to see some of the characters involved yeah. in that. And like, I still fought Gutter Runners and things like that in the Blood Bowl game. So at least I had a little bit of experience coming into Vermintide too. Well, sort of, uh, I know Total Warhammer 2 was another very popular Warhammer game that gave you a bit of insight into all these different races and how the different armies work. Um, but sort of, it, it gives you a bit of insight, but if just the Warhammer lore is so deep, there's all these different characters, all these different races. Like, there's the human races, but within that human race, there's, like, 12 different types of humans, all who interact with different races differently, and there's so much of this amazing world built up. Which, speaking of the lore a little bit, in terms of the lore, is there a reason why one of the Lizardmen can't be, like, one of the heroes, do you think? Y yes. Yes. Um, so, we see a bit in... What's happened recently is Games Workshop, so the people who deal with Warhammer, they're, they're, they're the ones that own it all. Um, they kind of scrapped Warhammer Fantasy, which made lots of people very, very sad. Because uh, it was an amazing world that was built up over sort of so, so long. Um, like, I think it was 1983, Warhammer Fantasy first came out. And they oh, wow. just scrapped all of that recently. All of that is gone. Um, so that made a lot of people not very happy and they've replaced it with this thing called Age of Sigma. Um, and in there you see a bit sort of the lizard men sort of they're, they're, they fight with the good guys. They fight with the group of people that is the order. Um, but the lizard men, they don't actually have any way of communicating with people because they're just lizards. They don't speak, um, or anything. Um, and... Okay, so that's kind of why they're not a hero, probably, because they can't speak to the other yeah, heroes. Yeah, and it's, whilst they're, it's, they don't fight people, it's, they don't fight people because there's a greater evil. Really, they believe that the lizard men are there to carry out the old god's plan. All of these guys are getting in the way, and all of that. Um, so, as much as I would love for there to be a lizard man hero because I would exclusively play that hero, because that hero would be the best hero, it's not going to happen. Yeah, I just think it'd be kind of fun, though, because, I mean, I don't think it'd be that much of a stretch, you know, because you have an elf hero already, you have, like, a witch hero, so I don't think it'd be that much of a stretch to have a lizard yes, hero. Yes, but all of those guys can speak to each other. <laughs> True. <laughs> you know, and and they all sort of fight on the same side. It would like it be like, a bit like if there was a... Um, chaos hero it just wouldn't really work because you're fighting chaos all, all of these guys sort of come from the good side of things so you've got the um uh, sort of all of the i think it's called the empire in fantasy with the humans uh, so for that you've got kruger and then you've got the dwarfs um uh, with thingy <laughs> bardin um yes but the actually uh and then you've got the elf, um, whatever her name is. You played her, Carillion. Um, and then you've got the other two who are again part of the Empire. Sort of because you've got um, Victor, who's sort of like an inquisitor. So he's like a very holy, staunch religious man. Um, and then you also have um, uh, the Fire Witch lady <laughs> um and she sort of the empire did use lots of mages and stuff so it, it's all sort of the same army so whilst they are very diverse characters it's all sort of one side of a coin well you never know though i mean maybe like vermintide 3 they'll have you know some kind of update where you can actually play as some unique heroes like maybe. that so i mean we'll there's see. still the uh <laughs> there's still the season pass to come with vermintide 2 so it's still sort of quite a fresh thing. Um, yeah, so I mean, maybe I'll be a lizard there. We'll say. <laughs> maybe. I'll keep my fingers crossed. <laughs> that would definitely be fun. You know, I mean, to get around the speaking thing, they could always give him some kind of fancy voice changer or something. <laughs> no idea He starts how. talking like a robot. But <laughs> <laughs> uh. 
yes but yeah i mean that kind of gives a little bit of background to the listeners for warhammer so obviously there's a lot to get into warhammer so we won't get into you know the whole background of the universe today but just to give you a kind of a brief snippet that's sort of the background of warhammer a little bit and basically if you want to tell people a little bit about the background of like vermintide 2 in the storyline do you want to tell them about that All right, well uh i played vermintide 1 as well because Warhammer's my stuff. Um, but sort of the story of Vermintide is it's in the land of Uberstrike. Um, and this is sort of a populated empire town. Um, but sort of this clan of Skate, a bunch of clans of Skaven, all, I think it's just one big one, all, all, so they all come together. And normally Skaven, they live underground and they live in sewers and sort of, hence the name of sort of some of their units as gutter runners. Right. Because that's what they do they stay in sort of the sewers but this absolutely massive horde of skaven sort of come up from the sewers and they just try to take over uber strike um and in the first game sort of you fight them off and you manage to de- defeat them and sort of yeah so all of that and then with the intro to this um to the second game you find out that the Skaven have come back, except this time they've allied with the forces of Nurgle. Now, Nurgle is one of the four Chaos Gods, and so sort of his forces are very powerful because sort of they're all like demonically possessed and all of this. Um, and the whole point of Nurgle is that like you have big, heavy guys who just you know they're slow and they're heavy, but they just keep walking no matter how many hits they take. Um, which is definitely reflected in some of the sort of some of the mobs in the game, uh, but so these two forces. Yeah, definitely, they're pretty tough guys. <laughs> yeah, but so these two forces, they've come together, and literally in the opening scene, you're sort of you you find yourself trapped in a cage, and you're going along, and you pass the uh, Skaven leader speaking to the uh, leader of the Chaos Warriors, um, and sort of. The Skaven guy, he's trying to open a gate called the Skitter Gate to let all of the Chaos Warriors out into sort of Uber Strike and everything to attack everyone and take over again, or try to. Um, and sort of your whole aim of the game is to stop them from overtaking Uber Strike. Yeah, it was definitely a fun prologue too. Like, I really love the prologue. It really gets you right into the game and kind of gets into that dark world like right away i was the 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 prologue for vermintide 2 there's so much suspense in it like i was expecting a jump scare like pretty much every corner it's so good i really enjoyed it definitely and i don't know if you got this feeling too maybe it was just the way i felt but it definitely sounded like the chaos leader was kind of like talking down to the skaven leader and like treating him like he's an idiot yeah yeah no absolutely sort of (laughs) I mean, sort of, you've got this great champion of a Chaos God, sort of demonically powered, this huge guy who's near unstoppable, and then he's sort of this little rat's come to him for help. So, <laughs> like... <laughs> it's kind of funny. It, it is kind of funny, but sort of, the, the rats, they're not to be messed about with. They, they, they can still, you know, still pose a threat. It's sort of, you've got the individual threat of the rats, and you've got the individual threat of the warriors of Nurgle, but they've come together, and it's just this absolute massive threat to the realm. No, very true, but honestly, if I'm being honest, from the time I play with the game, I definitely am more afraid of the chaos people than the rats. Yeah, so. yeah, I mean, um, so sort of, the, the, the two sides, they have sort of their different levels of um, sort of warriors you've got your basic little troops and so you've got your rats and then you've got your basic uh nurgle cultists who both of those they're not very strong um you're you're going to kill them in one hit generally um but generally these come in in just hordes so you have to like smash your way through and they surround you and it it's really fun uh, i have to admit sort of the controls to the game is really satisfying sort of the way it feels to if if you're Kruger, for example, this guy, he's got, he can use big, heavy, two-handed swords, just swinging it through hordes of rats as they're charging at you. Which is a lot of fun, yeah, for sure. But before we get into the game a little bit more in depth, just a quick disclaimer for people. Uh, first of all, this is going to be more of an intro episode into the game, so 
We're going to be touching on things very lightly. And if you want to hear more about this, then definitely let us know. And I'm definitely up for talking, you know, more about Vermintide 2 in the future. I'm sure you are as well. So yeah. So definitely let us know if you want to hear more about this game, because I would honestly love to do more episodes about it if you guys like this. But this will definitely be more of an intro episode. We'll talk, you know, briefly about all the aspects of it. And then if people want to hear more about it, we'll get in more depth into the other aspects in the future. Indeed. But that being said, just a couple of the very quick basics before we dive into them. Uh, Vermintide 2 is a co-op game, and it's very important that you stick together in this game because... It's a PvE game that the main objective is for all of you to win together. There's no objective like on a personal level. It's all about you winning as a team. And then there's 13 levels. There's five hero choices, which you mentioned a couple of them. There's the two main enemy types that we talked about, which are Chaos and Skaven. There is sort of a dark-natured uh, game concept to this game, and it's often compared to Left 4 Dead, I've heard. I didn't play Left 4 Dead myself, but you can speak to whether that's a good comparison or not. Yeah, no, sort of Left 4 Dead. Sort of they're both these horde survival sort of things. So Left 4 Dead, it's zombie hordes. Um, Vermintide 2, it's hordes of... Right, yeah, I knew what it was. I just never played yeah, it. But... Yeah, yeah. Um, sort of in this manner, it's very similar. Sort of the way that health, health packs work. Sort of you don't heal unless you find a health pack. The way weapons work. Uh, sort of the way weapons Makes work. Sense, huh? Yeah. Sort of the the way if you have like melee weapons in Left 4 Dead, it's quite similar to Vermintide 2. Um, in that in that manner, so sort of that makes sense. It, it's sort of a similar game but different settings. But yeah, with this game, basically you have multiple difficulty settings. You can go from recruit all the way up to legend, and then there are levels broken up into different acts. There's three acts, and each act has four levels. And then if you beat all those levels, then you go on to like what the final level is, is basically like the skitter gate where you have to try and, you know, beat the main bosses. And then some people might not be too happy about this, but the way it's done in the game, I think it works really well. But there is sort of a loot crate system in the game, but it's perfectly free. There's no, you know, microtransactions involved and it's all free throughout the design of the game, which I think works really well in this game. Yeah, no, it's um, it's. It's more like sort of a way of getting gear. It's not a loot crate as much. Right. I, I think that's a bit of an unfair word for it because loot crates, you get all of these sort of bad associations, sort of all of EA's stuff with Battlefront, all of that. It's it's sort of like quite often you get these loot crates from doing challenges and completing achievements, that sort of thing. And these will reward you with better loot crates if they're harder to do. And then depending, sort of if you succeed a mission, um, sort of you'll generally get a loot crate. Um, and then you can find, there's a chance you'll find items in the, sort of actually in the mission that can increase sort of the quality of your loot crate. So sort of, it's all completely in-game stuff. There's no buying them whatsoever. It's all in-game. So it's just sort of the way that the game progresses your gear. And sort of as you get better, you're going to get better loots because you're going to be able to complete more challenges and all of that. So it, it, whilst it is a loot crate, it's not sort of what the modern loot crates are. No, I'd agree with that for sure. I mean, to me, like, I think it's fine as long as it's free like it is, because once you start doing microtransactions, that's when you, you lose me. But the way they set it up where it, Basically, we'll get into a little bit more later, but depending how you do in a level, you could get more, you know, of these boxes and then unlock more items. And I think it works really well that way. So and one of the cool things that I heard didn't happen in the first game is that you get items, but the items might not be for the character you're using. In this Vermintide 2, it's actually for the character you're using. Yeah, well, well, that was one thing with Vermintide 1, sort of it encouraged... Um sort of playing different characters a lot more because it gave you this gear for different characters, whereas right. Vermintide 2, it allows you to play one character if you enjoy it more. So it it like it's not necessarily better or worse, it's just different because sort of Vermintide 1, you would have had sort of... It would have been slower... To, it, I say it would have been, it was. I played it. Um, it. It was slower to level one character because you're not just getting loot for yourself. 
Um, but it did mean that you had good gear for a wider variety of characters. Um, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, personally, I definitely like this way better because the way I like to do it, I, I'm perfectly fine with trying all the characters, but I would rather, you know, kind of master one character and then move on to another one than like kind of do them all at once. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's sort of... I mean, it depends on how you sort of like to play. If, if you're playing with friends, so that that is one thing with this game sort of it's a good thing to play with friends you generally want people there to play it with um just because sort of it's good to have that communication and it's good to know where your friends are and it, it's fun to play with your friends like it is no definitely it, it is just one of those games that's really enjoyable to play with your friends well the cool thing too is if you actually built a group of people that want to play regularly with you then you could all have your specialties. Like, you know, one person can be like the dwarf, one could be, you know, Victor, one could be Carillion. And if you're all really good at those characters, you'd make a really good team together. Absolutely, yeah. So there's obviously sort of situations in which some characters are better than others. Um, so there's sort of one le- one mission you might want to have. Because there's five characters, but a team is only your four. So sort of you're always not having one character. But sort of if it's a close combat mission, sort of maybe the way watcher which is the elf ranger um isn't going to be so useful because they're they're sort of good with range stuff but that's not going to be useful in that mission but if it's a range mission then you're going to want one of them because you know they're going to be useful right definitely and i think that's one of the cool things about this and it's also very cool how each character has different career classes which i guess this is a good time to kind of get into those a little bit so there are five characters like we've been saying so we can kind of go through them one at a time. Um, the first one we'll go through is Marcus. Marcus Kruber is basically who you start with in the prologue, and he's sort of a human, and he starts as a mercenary in his first class. Is there anything specific you want to say about Marcus? Um, well, sort of, I played Marcus in the first game, so that was who I played mostly in that. Um, okay, so you know him pretty well then? Yeah, it's sort of, I got, I got a pretty good feel of him. Um, and sort of, it's... Marcus is sort of like what he's going to be your frontline man. He he can take either a sword and shield, which lets you block more, um, sort of, and you can protect your friends a bit because sort of you can block more attacks. So yeah, your team is overall taking less damage. Um, or you can just take this massive two-handed sword claymore and just sweep through hordes of um, rats or whatever coming at you and just get massive sort of AOE attacks. Um, but one thing I, I I played a bit of Kruber in in whilst we were playing Vermintide too. One thing I really enjoyed once you get the sword and shield, uh, sort of all your characters sort of you got your basic sort of like light attack, heavy attack, that sort of thing. But the first heavy attack from the from the sword and shield, you just punch the guy with a shield and just just knock them flat, <laughs> which is pretty funny. Yeah. So I, I I just ended up running around punching people with a shield, not because it was necessarily more effective, but because it was fun to just go around punching people over with a shield. No, definitely. And I mean, Marcus, like I've I haven't played him a lot besides the prologue because I've tried to focus on one character a little bit just to kind of get a feel for the game. But from what I've seen from the research I've done, he's like one of the you know best crowd control people because. He takes, you know, long swipes with the sword and he can take out a lot of people and kind of keep the crowd back a little bit. That way, the less health, you know, teammates that he has can actually sit back and try and help him yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, sort of, as I said, you've got the massive claymore, which is just going to take out sort of anyone. Um, and then you're, I don't think we've touched touched on it yet, but sort of all the different characters, they have different abilities. Um so sort of yes. you got like passive ones and then uh, uh you get active ones, sort of ones that you use um so for example with kruber um your ability is sort of you dash through a bunch of enemies and you knock them all down so sort of that's really useful if you got if you have a bit of a choke point and there's just tons and tons of rats charging down there towards you and your friends you can just charge through them all and that's going to knock them all down and then you have sort of time to hack through a bunch to thin the crowds before they actually get to you. No, definitely. And that's one of the cool things with him. And like everyone has their own, it's called a career skill, but everyone has their own like special attack, which is kind of cool because that's what his is. And 
you know, for example, I play Krillian a lot, who is the elf, and her special attack is she throws, um, she shoots three arrows at once, and basically the arrows are kind of like heat-seeking arrows, and they find the enemy. Yeah. Did, did you find yourself using that much? Uh, yeah. I mean, anything that's big, pretty much, I use it on. Anything that's like a special, a boss, or like a heavily armor person, that's what I use it on more. Right, because sort of in... Whilst we were playing Vermintide 2, I mostly focused on playing Victor, Victor Saltspire, who's the witch hunter, sort of, he's this religious guy, um, and he, his special ability is to, I think it's increase the critical chance of everyone around you by something like, I think it was 6%, and I just found that I was never using it, because it didn't do anything for me. It was just it boot it obviously it buff, it buffed my friends a little bit, but it it just didn't seem to have like the effectiveness of the others. So Kruber, you've got this charge, um, Bard in the dwarf, you've got um, an AOE stun. Uh, sort of he has like smoke bomb which he chucks down and it stuns all of the enemies around you. Then as you say, Carillion, she's got her arrows, um, and then the. Uh, I always forget her name. Sienna, who's the witch. She has like a little teleport thing, uh, which sort of like leaves a trail of fire after her. Um, which all of those, those all seem really useful. But then Victor's was a bit lackluster, I found. Well, I think it might seem that way for the person using him. But I mean, in a team setting, I think it's something you can really use to support each other. Because if you know you're going into a difficult part in the game, then you could have Victor use his special, and then after he uses his special, have everyone else use theirs, and then everyone else's special is going to be more effective. Yeah, yeah, I suppose. I, I guess it comes down the game too. Sort of, if you have if you have the friends around, sort of, and you have a team together, and you know what you're doing, sort of, it'll be right a bit more organized. I would say Victor's special is more like if you have a group that all has mics, because if you have a bunch of people that are just randoms that don't have mics and they aren't communicating with you, then his special probably doesn't help. But like. If, say, you, myself, and, like, two other people that both had mics were playing together, and his special could work very well because we, we could coordinate it properly. Yeah, but uh, not everyone in the game has mics. So, sort of... Which is yeah. unfortunate, yeah. But, sort uh, of, with with the game, sort of, there's a couple of different ways you can play. So, there's, like, quick play, or there's... Um, there was... What quick play is, is essentially you jump in on a random level uh, that you can play with a random group. And sort of when you start out, you can play level one from act one, two and three. And you don't have to necessarily do all of act one, then all of act two, then all of act three. Like I've commit, I've completed more of act two than I have of any of the others. But, you know, it it doesn't really matter too much um, because whilst it's not chronological as much sort of. They're independent events that help you towards... Yeah, they're all self-contained, basically. So yeah, so there's quick play, which you jump into this random sort of random group, random people, random mission. There's just not going to be people talking in that generally. Um, And then you can set up a group. So that's where you choose the mission and, and then random people will join you. So sort of if you want to play through it, all of Act 1, all of Act 2, all of Act 3... That's how you want to do it. So you can choose the missions you want. Um, sort of, uh, again, that's sort of quick play. So um, right, probably not going to have people with mics there. And then the other mode was, it was like an endless horde mode, I believe. Um, we, we didn't get the chance to play that, but sort of you unlock that at later levels. So I'd imagine more people have... Um, mics there because sort of your later levels you put more time into it um, all of that so I'd imagine sort of you'll be better with better skilled people who have better coordination I prefer the regular modes though honestly because I don't like to do the levels with people and you know try and beat the level together but yeah yeah sort of the, the horde parts can be a bit hard sort of there's there's definitely moments where there's sudden difficulty spikes. Like, in my opinion, of the, all the levels I played, the hardest mission was Act 1, Level 1. Simply because, at the end of it, there's a massive... I just beat that one today. Did you? With the horde yeah. bit? <laughs> there's, yep. the, there's a massive <laughs> horde bit at the end, where it's like... 
six or seven rounds of just non-stop rats and chaos and there's all sorts of special warriors in there um so sort of you'll be facing uh, like pretty much every single special sort of minion which we'll get into in a sec because all of them have their no yeah i mean just today i played um a bunch before we got on the podcast together and i beat like three or four levels and that was one of the ones i beat so but that that bit is so hard i hate it i hated that bit oh i mean it honestly wasn't that bad i think it just depends on the team you have because essentially i had a mic and one other guy had a mic but they all pretty much listened to what i was telling them like okay guys stick together you know let, let's stay together in a pack here and we all kind of stuck in a pack and that's how it worked out so i never had an i never had a reasonable group when not when i got to that point yeah see that's the thing like i i had a really good group when i beat that one so like we all just kind of stayed together you know we didn't stray too far from each other and that's what you need to do in actually that no i did beat it once with a good group uh but then just before i reached the bridge of shadows which is the exit from levels i lost connection <laughs> which was that that was one thing I, you have a habit of yeah what that one problem i had with the game was british internet i always lost connection before a level ended yeah i remember one time when you and i were playing you lost connection i'm like oh where'd you go yeah. okay well yeah so i i barely completed any levels because i lost connection to them all which was a pain now uh, yeah i've got about four or five now so i have a good start to it i mean obviously this is all still on recruit for me you know I haven't graduated the higher difficulties yet, but eventually I'll get there. But I'm trying to speed it on recruit first. Well, so. <laughs> you, I'd imagine you have better connection than me, so I'm guessing you don't get those problems. No, I don't get those issues. I just get issues with not really having good teammates sometimes because sometimes you get teammates that go off way ahead of everyone else, and I'm like, uh, why are you going that far ahead? And then they go down, and then it's like, well, I can't get you because you're way ahead. There, there's a bit of common sense in in the game with what to do, where to go. But... Getting back to the heroes a little bit, we'll just kind of touch on them a little more. Um, we did mention Marcus. His different career types are Mercenary, Huntsman, and Foot Knight. You did mention Victor, who you like to play. His career types are Witch Hunter Captain, Bounty Hunter, and Zealot. Carillion, who is the uh, elf, she's kind of like the sniper character of the group, I would say. And she has career types of Waystalker, Handmaiden, and Can Shade. Can I just quickly put something in there? You, you say Carillion's yeah. the sniper, but playing Marcus, I got sort of a gun that acts a bit like a machine gun. So that if not, if you shoot it normally, um, it's sort of semi-automatic, but you can charge it to shoot it as full auto. But I, we ha we had one level where it ended up glitching or something, which I, I imagine we'll talk about a bit more in a second. But I managed to snipe characters from really far away, like. You you know where we were on the on the mission, yeah. With um, right. you know how if you continue along, there's some chaos warriors. Uh, just before you get to the building with the massive horde, yeah. I I killed those chaos warriors from where we were. Cause yeah, I mean it's pretty good. <laughs> so <though. laughs> Wolf Carillion's normally the sniper. Sniper. Every, one thing that's important: every single character has a melee weapon and a range weapon. So everyone can do everything to an extent. No, yeah, definitely. But I mean, she is the one that's most yeah. specialized to that because her bows that she gets and stuff have a lot of range to them. So yeah, she can have a lot more range than a lot of people usually Absolutely. have. Absolutely. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. But the two that we didn't touch on as much are Barden and Sienna. Do you want to explain Sienna a little bit and what she's um, like? So Sienna, she's sort of, well, as her first name says, I'd say first name, her first type of class. She's a battle wizard. Um, uh, so right. she, what she does is she casts fire. I say cast fire, she's a pyromancer, which is the name of the second her second type. Um, but sort of she uses lots of sort of fire magic, so she has like flamethrower abilities, fireball abilities, sort of all of these sorts of things. So she's... She's quite good with, if you have a horde coming at you, she can just sort of get a cone of fire and just burn them all. Right. She's kind of like a different type of crowd control. Yeah. Like, Marcus is good at crowd control too, but she has like a fire crowd control. Yeah. So, as I mentioned, her first her first version is Battle Wizard. The next version of her you unlock is Pyromancer, then you unlock Unchained. Um, and I, f I think Unchained was slightly more focused around melee, if I recall. 
not entirely sure. Yeah, and that's I'm glad you mentioned that too, because like a lot of these classes, like for example, Carillion, her first class is Wastalker, which does start out a lot more, you know, ranger and kind of archer type. But then as you go through the classes, like there's different career types that are focused on other things. Like, for example, her last class, Shade, is a lot more focused on melee. So the different classes had different playstyles. Yeah. Them. For for those of you that have played Destiny 2, whilst you've got sort of Hunter and I think, I think it was Titan, sort of all of those, you've got the different types of them underneath them if i recall that's how it works you've got like different types with their different abilities think of it a bit like that but one thing with sienna i wanted to mention too that's kind of a cool mechanic that no one else has is since she is like a fire wizard she actually has this overheating mechanic have you experienced that I at all because i haven't played sienna <laughs> yeah basically like she has this extra you know heat bar and you can keep using your fire magic but if you use it too much, and she kind of overheats and explodes, and then she goes down instantly. So, like, you have to actually play with that mechanic a little bit because she doesn't have to use um, ammo, really, per se. You have, like, the overheating mechanic, so you can knock yourself down, basically, and then your teammates have to save you. So you have to play with that and, you know, kind of be wise about when you use your fire. Yeah. I haven't really played her much myself either, but, I mean... From what I saw, like, it, it's pretty crazy when she actually explodes. So. Speaking of being wise, sort of, again, ammo is a thing you need to know when to use. Because, sort of, yes. with the exception of Corellian, who you managed to get something like 80 shots at one point with one of your bows. 74. 74. <laughs> Close enough. Um, <laughs> sort of, you have quite limited ammunition stocks. So, for example... Um, one, I think it's the weapon you start with, with Marcus, you have 11 shots before you're out of ammo. And generally in a mission, there'll be one or two ammo crates quite sparsely put around. So you need to know when to use your guns. You can't just, you know, use them whenever. Definitely. But I mean, since you mentioned that there are other ways to get ammo. And one of those ways is actually with Barden, who we haven't talked about much. Do you want to tell people how Barden gets you ammo? Oh boy, Barden, your least favorite character. <laughs> he did, yeah, in the prologue, he annoyed me a lot, honestly. Like, I just wanted to shoot him in the prologue because he was just annoying in me. In the but... prologue, you have to save him from a cage as he's going along yes. and he's singing. And you didn't like that. <laughs> no, I did not. I just wanted to shoot him in the head, but it wouldn't let me. <laughs> well, what Barden's passive is, is whenever you kill one of these special mobs, uh, it drops a little ammunition pouch. Um, so you can pick those up, and sort of that's quite useful for just having little bursts of ammunition throughout, throughout the mission. Because um, quite often you'll see quite a few specials around the place, and they can be a real pain. And especially some of the stronger ones if you have no ammunition. Right, definitely. And that's why I think Barden's a great support character because he's one of those characters that can do everything pretty good, but he's not like, you know, exceptional at anything. Yeah. So he's like pretty good in all areas, but he's not like the best in ever any But I, th I think pretty much every mission you'll probably want Barden on you. I would agree, yeah. I mean, especially with that ammo passive ability, if you're using that class, then he is so useful to team play and kind of the way i see it so far i mean i'm not you know super experienced in the game yet but the way i see it you probably want barden and victor in every team because they're always going to be supportive you kind of want carillion in every team i think because she's going to help you with more of your range stuff and then you want either sienna or marcus because both of those are great experimental so i think sienna or marcus just choose one of those two to leave out because they're both really good at crowd control. That's kind of how I'd see it, so. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. I mean, if you have Sienna and Marcus, you know, you're going to have a lot of crowd control, but that means you're going to be missing one of the other things. Like, say if you have both of those and you're missing Carillion, then you might not be able to take out uh, as many people from long distance. Or if you don't have Barden, you're not going to have the extra ammo and stuff like that. So. Yeah. But that's kind of our five heroes. Um, so with these heroes... We can kind of get into, before we get into their enemies, a little bit about the combat and weapons. So the melee attacks, there's a lot of different types of weapons. You can use swords, knives, spears, hammers, just a bunch of different things like that. And then the range attacks, it'd be kind of what you'd expect. It'd be like bows, crossbows, and guns. And we did mention the career skills, which that's, it basically varies based on the character. But a lot of times it's area attack, essentially. 
And like you said with Victory, Victor's is different with the crit, but most of the characters have sort of an area attack with their special yeah. skill. Yeah. But one of the things I it took me a little while to understand, I don't know if it was the same for you, is the other items that you have, like the trinkets and necklaces. Like, I didn't know what the hell that was at first. I'm like, what is this trinket and necklace? Like, I'm like, what? Well, <laughs> I didn't, I, I got that pretty easily because I've also played, it's a really good mobile game, actually. It's a game called Warhammer Quest. It's not free, um, but it's a great game that sort of pretty much once you've paid for the base game, you've got most of pretty much the content. I say most of the content, the rest is just like DLC. But um, the, the the way the items work in this is the same as it works in that. Um, so I already under, understood sort of how this worked from playing that game. So sort of it's nice that they... And, and from Vermintide 1 but it's nice that sort of they keep it across these games sort of the same sort of system so sort of even if I hadn't played Vermintide 1 and I just played sort of Warhammer Quest sort of thing then and I went into this I'll be like oh I know what these means these items are better than this uh, and sort of they're, they're generally pretty universal item color rarity sort of thing um, and so it's like yeah and I I definitely like how they have the color system for the rarity because we can kind of go over that real quick now. But um, basically, there's different colors that represent how rare it is. And the more rare it is, the better the item is. So this can be either your weapons or it could be your necklaces or whatever it is. But basically, white is your worst ones. Those are the ones that you can pretty much find in any chest you find. The green ones are considered common. They're a little bit better. And then it goes up to blue, which is the rare items. And then the next one is orange, which is the exotics. They're supposed to be like more rare, more powerful. And then the most powerful items are the red items, which are the veteran items. But as you mentioned, sort of with the um, trinket, sort of you have this power level, which I, I've been playing quite a lot of World of Warcraft recently. Uh, so that, that's I, I, I again understood that because there's a fairly similar system in that. Um, but sort of, it's sort of, as you progress through the game, you're going to get better crates, which is going to give you better gear, which better gear has a higher power level. But higher power level isn't necessarily better. For example, when I played Victor, um, I had higher power level swords, um, which I could have used, but I didn't want to because I enjoyed the starting sword more. Because if you clicked right stick whilst using the starting sword, you just got a free pistol shot. Like, you just got out a pistol and shot it. And it didn't right. cost you any ammo or anything. You just got a free ranged attack, which I really enjoyed, because sort of it, it, it gave Victor sort of this extra dynamic of, whilst he is sort of, he can do melee stuff and all, but he also has free ranged attacks, a bit like Sienna does with her, with her fire. Yeah, and I mean, this is something you tried to kind of explain to me the first time I played, and I wasn't really getting it at the time, but now I definitely do, because it's not just about having the best power, because just for example, like today when I was playing as Carillion, I acquired a more powerful two-handed sword. I tried it out, and I really don't like the way the two-handed sword works for her character, so like, I'm going to go back to having like the two daggers instead, because I think the two daggers is a lot faster, and it works a lot better for the playstyle I like. So it's about like playing a playstyle that you like, but on top of that, we didn't really mention this too much yet. There's also special properties that the weapons can have, so you might be trying to build a certain build. For example, one of the bows I have for her, it gives you, I think, plus three crit, and then one of the necklaces I have for her, it gives you plus 11 crit, so if you can kind of combo items like that and get extra crit together. Yeah, but sort of obviously all these different types of power level and everything, you know? They're, they're all good for one thing, and, and that's killing enemies. Yeah, definitely. And just one last thing to touch on that. I mean, it, like you just kind of have to weigh your options based on what you think is more valuable. Because I think one of the trinkets I have, one of them has like 10 more power than the other one. But one of the one that has 10 less power has a bonus on it, and I like that bonus. So you kind of have to weigh, well, do I like this bonus more than 10 power, or do I like the 10 power more? So it's just about weighing the bonuses against the power, yeah, pretty much. Absolutely. But uh, into the enemies. So sort of the first little type of enemy is like your basic troop. Uh, and so sort of with the, with the rats, you've got sort of 
uh, Skaven slaves, clan rats, clan rats with shields. Um, so sort of Skaven slaves, these are like your one-shot guys. These are the guys you're just going to slap with your sword one time. In yeah, these are like the giant hordes that can match you. They're really easy. Exactly. Um, and then clan rats, that's... They're basically the same thing, except they wear a cloak. Uh, so they, they take a couple more hits, but they don't right. necessarily do as much more damage, but they're there to bolster the hordes a bit more. Um, and then you get your clan rats with shields. Now, shields you can't really get past unless you use a heavy attack. Um, so sort of... If you're in the middle of swinging at hordes and stuff, then suddenly a shield blocks your attack. It sort of breaks the momentum a bit because you're no longer just hacking through everything. You actually need to do something. You need to sort of you need to do this heavy attack, which might only target this one, so it won't be as good for taking out hordes. But you can't take out these hordes unless you take out these shield guys. So sort of whilst they can be quite flimsy, sort of. They, they can really sort of break up the flow of combat. No, definitely. I mean, with these infantry troops, like, for the most part, they're super simple. You're not going to have to worry when you face them at all. But like you said, with the shields, you're going to have to use heavy attacks or weapons that are more suited for piercing armor because there are weapons that are, like, called shield breakers and things like that. So you're going to have to use weapons like that. But, I mean, the infantry is not really going to be that hard for you to beat. But when you get to the elite classes, um, that's when it gets a little bit harder because you have things like Plague Monks, you have Storm Vermin with shields, and probably the most deadly of all the elite class, in my opinion, is the Chaos Warriors. Ugh. Chaos Warriors. He's, so, uh, the, this, so the Nurgle basic guys, you've got like just a basic cultist, and then you've just got like a guy with an axe. They're simple. Uh, a Chaos war a Warrior is a massive guy in a huge set of huge, yeah, huge set of plate, plate armor with a massive axe. Now, they, they can really vary with how you take them down because you're going to need to use um, heavy attacks against these guys. Whilst with the guys with shields, if you get in a heavy attack, sometimes you can open their guard to get in a light attack. No matter... Or go for headshots too. Or go for headshots, yeah. But this guy, no matter what, you need to use a heavy attack. So it it sort of slows things down a bit. Now, I've I've been with parties where the Chaos Warrior goes down in two seconds because everyone has just focused him. If he gets you alone, um, it's not going to go well for you because you're not going to do much to Yeah, I mean, one swing of his hammer and you're going to be down a lot. I've also been with parties where a single Chaos Warrior has killed everyone. So these... Yeah, oh, <laughs> they can be a real pain because sort of if they get one hit on you, sort of again, health is another really valuable resource. There's not many healing things in a level. You start with one, but sort of once that's gone, you're going to need to wait until you get. Well, hit. especially depending on the difficulty too, because if you're playing at a higher difficulty, oh, yeah. there's going to be even less health. Absolutely. Items, so. Uh, so one hit from this guy, that's already at least half your health gone. So it can really hurt. Yeah, I mean, Chaos Warriors are definitely tough to beat, and you kind of want to gang up on them together. But it's not just the Chaos Warriors. I mean, honestly, like the Storm Vermin with shields, like those are even tough to take on by yourself, too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, sto the, the normal Storm Vermin aren't that bad. Sort of, it takes a couple of heavy attacks, but they right. go down. But if they have a shield, they, they can, again, they can really slow you down from when you're running through hordes, just hacking down everything in your way, then suddenly you got a couple of storm vermin in your way and sort of you actually need to stop and fight then. Yeah, and it especially depends on the character you're using too because, I mean, say for me, when I'm using Carillion, like, she's not really suited for dealing with, you know, a lot of heavy armored stuff. But if you're using Marcus, you know, Marcus could probably take it out pretty fast. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So the game, that's where these um, sort of different classes come in with their different benefits. Right, and that's one of the kind of cool things about the game is everyone has their own job. Like, you know, if there's somebody heavily armored, I'm going to be like, hey, Marcus, can you go take care of that? But if there's like a special around, then, you know, it's probably my job to try and snipe that special. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, there's so many different types of specials, which all are a pain. Every single one <laughs> find a way to be annoying. Um, so you've got... I agree. I mean, which which one is your least favorite? You say like which one is the most pain in the ass for you at all? Hook think? rats. It's one you don't have on the list here, but hook rats because 
if if you're on your own, like if the rest of your team has run off and a hook rat catches you in your hook, you're dead. There's just nothing you can do. And then sort of a hook rat, it grabs you in a hook, it drags you along with it. So not only are you being sort of murdered, you're also being dragged away from the group. And then once you go down, it impels you in the ground on a spear where you slowly bleed out just to sort of salt the wound. You know, you're up there on its spear. And then it will go off and repeat to another one of your uh, teammates. And again, I've been in groups where everyone has died to a single hook rat. I hate hook rats. Yeah, I mean, for me, I would say it's not really the biggest pain for me just because I just try to stick with my teammates. So, like, I try to prevent something like that from happening. But, I mean, to me, like, the biggest problem is it's kind of a tie for me, honestly. I really hate the Globadiers because I just hate the poison gas. Mm -hmm. And I also really hate the Blightstormer. I mean, if you want, you can explain the Blightstormer, but the Blightstormer is just uh, horrible. I hate seeing those. Which which is the Blightstormer? That's the one with the storm that goes around and it sucks you into the storm. I thought that was just the same same guy as the Leech. I thought they were the same unit. No, no, they're they're different, yeah. The Leech is more like it drags you to him. I thought it did both. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Well, the more you know. Have you faced many Rattling Gunners? There's a question for you. Um, a few. I mean, I I don't get bothered by those too much. Basically, for anyone that doesn't know, the Rattling Gunner is just basically a rat with a Gatling gun. And it, it can be deadly, but like, with me, I'm usually playing as Carillion, so I just kind of, you know, do some well-placed shots, take out that gunner fairly fast. So to me, it's not that big but of a deal. But if the gunner gets like one hit on you, then you can't aim. Which I've... Do you remember, we were doing Act 1, Level 1, except we all died that level. We all died because of a rattling gunner. Because I couldn't kill it to come and get everyone else up. Because I couldn't aim at it. Because it was shooting me. I, fu- I find Gatling runners. Yes, but our team also wasn't staying together too, though. Because we had two randoms with us. And the randoms were kind of doing whatever they wanted. That so. is true. And that does come into it. But, uh... <laughs> I... So, like, I mean, as long as, like, say say you were distracting the gunner for a second, if all it takes is a couple seconds for you distracting the gunner, I can take it out. Yeah. So, so the, the, those are sort of most of the specials. There's a couple more. But, uh... The problem for me with the Blightstorm, we didn't fully explain it. Basically, what it is is, like, a witch, and this witch conjures up, like, this... Hurricane. It's kind of like a green... Yeah, it's like a green spell, essentially, and this green spell goes over the floor, and it sucks your characters into the storm, and then... They suck the life out of you. And the problem with that for me is a lot of times it's kind of hard to find where this character is because usually they're on the like outside of the area that you're at. So it's a little bit more difficult to find out where they are. That's what's the big problem for that with at, me. At least the Blightstormer doesn't last until you die, though. It just lasts for a little bit. With the leeches um, and the hook rats and the gutter runners as well, it's just until you die that they're attacking you. Yeah. The problem with the gutter runner, too, like the gutter runner just kind of sneaks up on you and jumps on you. And he's so fast that it's like actually hard to get him. The the only time that you can kill a gutter runner is when he's killing your friends. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty much. Yeah. And the Globadier that I mentioned, basically, that's just like a guy with a poison backpack and he just shoots poison everywhere. And I just hate that because I hate having to walk through poison. So uh, I just hate dealing with poison anything. So I, I really like despise him. But <laughs> but but that's all the specials pretty much. Um, yeah, I mean, I think the only one we didn't mention is the warp fire thrower. That was basically just the flamethrower. Or the sacred. But... Or the pack master. Right. But they're just, they're easy ones. Um, yeah, they're not that bad, honestly. So the, the next step up you have from the specials is your monsters, your big boys. Now, generally, sort of yes. every level, you'll have one of these. You might not. It's not a guaranteed thing, but generally you'll face one at some point during a level. You've got Rat Ogres, Storm Fiends, Spawn of Chaos, and Bile Trolls. Now, which do you think is the most annoying? Most annoying for me, hands down, is the Bile Troll. I hate the Bile Troll. I absolutely agree. But, so bio trolls so all of these monsters they have absolutely tons of health and you need everyone to focus on it otherwise you will all die fact bio trolls everyone focuses it 
and then it's a, it's sort of taking a bit of damage, then it just crouches down and decides to heal pretty much all the damage you've done to it. Now, granted, sort of once you get it down, it slowly heals less and less damage, but it just means that it takes so long to kill it, because it's constantly healing. Right, because basically when it goes down on the ground, you all have to attack together to make sure it doesn't yeah. heal that much. And so. then on top of that, it has its uh, vomit, which it just throws up sort of this bile on you. And then if you're all in a group, no longer anyone can see. It just blinds you. Yeah, and it's just poisoned you. And like just one shot from that poison vomit can basically take out an entire team oh, yeah. you know, in some cases. like There's been times where I remember you were there too, like, we're actually in an enclosed building, and you, you really don't want to fight a bile troll in an enclosed building ever, but sometimes you don't have a choice because it just spawns there, and if you're in an enclosed building, sometimes the bile troll can back you in a corner, just spit some bile on you, and your whole team's yeah. dead. So it was three of us got stuck in the corner. Uh, you uh, yeah. as Carillion, me as... I was actually Kruger at this point, uh, and someone playing Bardin. We all died. The other person was playing Victor, and he managed to escape, but we all died. <laughs> Every single <laughs> yeah. one of us. Because we just couldn't get out. It just absolutely murdered us. Yeah, the problem, too, is, like, even if somebody gets you back up, then, like, you still can't see, so you can't see where the hell you're going. I'm like, I remember one time somebody got me back up, but there was still bile on the floor. I'm like, well, where am I? I can't see anything. Yeah. <laughs> so. And that's... Yeah. It's just the, horrible. The bio troll is the one you really don't want to face. Um, and then you've got Spawn of Chaos. They're, they're a bit like bio trolls, except slightly weaker. Sort of The way that they heal is they grab you, they pick you up, and they like bite a chunk off of you. So they, they do have some healing, and they're very aggressive, like they'll charge up to you. But their healing isn't anywhere near the bio trolls. Yeah, I would say the Spawn of Chaos definitely charges a lot more than the other three. Yeah. So it charges you a lot faster? Um, so those are the two sort of ones that really are a pain. Then you've got Rattos yeah. and Storm Fiends, and those aren't too bad because, you know, they have a bunch of health, but they have no way of healing. So sort of is, as long as you can get some focus on them, they, they go down pretty easily. Right, yeah. And the Storm Fiend, basically it's the same thing as Rat Ogre, except it's more equipped. It has basically a flamethrower and armor. Yeah. And basically the weakness of the Storm Fiend is like there's a little baby in the back that controls it. So you just have to kind of shoot the back of yeah, it. Shoot the baby. <laughs> um, but the, those two, they're, they're not that bad. And the rat ogre is just kind of a giant rat that charges you. But like, honestly, like out of all four of these, you want the rat ogre every time. Because the rat ogre is so easy compared to the rest of them. I wish. Give me the rat ogre, please. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. But that's all the monsters in the game yeah and then beyond the monsters you do have some like boss bosses um i haven't faced any of these yet because those are more end game material but do you want to speak to those at all uh, i haven't faced any either um so it's okay I, I didn't know if you knew about them just from the first game like if any of them were the same um, as the first i game do or not, believe but... uh i think it's rasknit i think he was because he's the main skaven isn't he is he i believe so yes um, so yeah, so he was the um, leader of the of the Skaven then, and sort of so it's it's the same sort of Skaven clan except now they're allying with the uh, with the Nurgle guys. And can you speak to this Rasnet guy? Like, was he hard in the first game? Like, is he you know really fast or something? Or do you know um, any? I didn't get that far. <laughs> so as much okay. as I would love <laughs> to say I could, I can't. But. Well, we're not sure where you face the bosses then, but if I had to guess, I assume you face all the bosses in the last level, in the Skittergate. That's what I would uh, assume I, I had to guess. No, no, but. I think what it is, because you've got the four missions, you've got the four levels with the three acts, um, and there's four bosses. In each of the three acts, you face one boss, and then the final level you unlock, you, faced rest, you face Raskinit again, I think. Okay, is that how it works? I would assume so. That's how I, I, okay. I'm pretty sure it works like that. Yeah, I mean, I do apologize that we don't know for sure yet, but I didn't get through the entire game yet. So, well, uh, if you guys want more more stuff on this, we we can definitely look into completing it. 
Yeah, definitely. I mean, we will definitely let you know, you know, more about the bosses if you want to hear more about this. But uh, given how hard the monsters are, I'm not sure I want to know how hard the bosses are. I want to find out. <laughs> I want to face some bosses. And we'll, see, so. we'll, we'll definitely have to look into that. Then. But yeah, that's kind of the enemies. Um, and quickly, we can kind of touch a little bit more on the levels and loot system, even though we kind of talked about it throughout. But basically, the 13 levels are, as we said, split up into three acts and then one final like battle in the Skittergate. And the levels are replayable, and they're kind of interchangeable. And as you mentioned, quick play, you can kind of just jump into any level you want, uh, provided you unlock that level. So, like, say I don't have Act 2, Level 3 unlocked, but you started the game at Act 2, Level 3, I can play in it because you started the game, but I couldn't start the game myself. Yeah, and also if we complete that level, I would unlock Act 2, Level 4, but you wouldn't because you didn't have Act right. 2, Level 3 in the first place. But I think once I unlock up to level 3, then I'd automatically unlock to level 4. I think that's how it works. Yeah, yeah. Because I think the game just counts it as, okay, you beat this level once. Now, once you get up to that level, you go on to the next one. Well, we'll have to play more of the game to find out. But we did mention the loot boxes a little bit. Like, I know you don't like that term, but I don't really know what else to call them. Yeah, no, it's like that's that's (laughs) the only word for them. Just it's sort of got a lot of negative connotations now. Which I think isn't fair for the system in the game. Right. But it does work pretty well. I mean, basically, as in a lot of games nowadays, there's like challenges you can do. Like, I think one of the challenges I just did today was I freed a teammate before they got any damage from the uh, Lightstormer. So they were about to get, you know, damage from that. But I killed the Lightstormer before they took any damage. And that basically was one of the challenges. And by doing that challenge, it unlocked a commendation chest type thing. And essentially, when you beat the level or when you end the level, you can actually open that chest and find out what you get. So there's a lot of little challenges you can do like that, that you get things for. And then if you beat levels, there is kind of an upgraded chest that's called a stronghold chest, I guess. And basically, this chest can kind of go up in level or progress more if you do more things in level. I don't know a ton about them yet, but there's like these grimoire things you can collect within the level that make the level harder for you because I guess they take away some of your health. And if you beat the game with these things in your possession, then it'll upgrade your combination or not your combination, but your stronghold chest at the end of the game. So then you actually get better loot. So yeah, basically you could increase the quality of these stronghold chests by doing several different factors like finding the grimoires or there's things called tomes you can find those as well and that will increase the level of the stronghold chest but that being said that's pretty much all we had for vermintide 2 so i hope you enjoyed this and and i hope that you want to hear more about this game if you do want to hear more about it then you can get in touch with me and let me know that on twitter at blaze experience you can reach me via email the blaze experience at gmail.com Or you can find me on Discord. I will put the Discord link in our show notes and you can find me that way as well. So please get in touch with me, you know, leave us a review and let us know what you thought of this. And definitely, like I said, we would be happy to do more episodes on Vermintide 2 if everyone wants to hear more about the game. We will definitely find out more about those bosses, I promise. Uh, I just didn't get a chance to research the endgame bosses too much yet because I'm not close to the endgame yet, but... When I get close to the end game, I will definitely find out more about those bosses. But I have been mentioning in the last couple episodes, Podcast New Hampshire, which is the network we just joined. You can find out more about this network at www.podcastnh.com. And basically, this is a podcast network for the state of New Hampshire and including the Blaze Experience. There are 13 other podcasts involved in this network, and they have a wide variety of ranges. There's a fishing podcast. There's a hunting podcast, a podcast on wrestling, just a lot of different types of podcasts. So definitely go check that out and see what you think of it. But speaking of the podcast network, I actually was a guest on the We Need to Talk podcast. And that episode has already released. So I will put a link in the show notes for you to check this out. But we did a podcast on gaming. So The podcast is called We Need to Talk, and they do a great job. These two guys are really funny, and it was definitely fun to be a guest on there. So please check out this episode, and you can hear what we all thought about gaming and just some different general gaming topics. 
So it was definitely a great episode, and I'll put a link to that in the show notes for you to check out. In addition, I will also be guesting on another podcast I have mentioned before, the Horrible Gaming Podcast. I'll be guesting on that podcast this weekend, so I believe they do their podcast live on Saturday. So if you want to check that out, then, you know, get in touch with us and let us know. I will get you the information to check that out live. But if you want to just listen to it, then I believe they put their episodes up that same night. So you'll be able to find the episode uh, late Saturday night. So definitely check out the We Need to Talk episode that I will be on and the Horrible Gamers podcast. That's two extra podcasts you can check on where if you want to hear more from me. And then State of Decay 2 will be back for our regular coverage on Saturday. I don't officially know what topic I'm topping on just yet. Usually I know by now, but I'm kind of debating between a couple topics still. So I will know for sure about middle of the week, but we will definitely have a State of Decay 2 episode for you on Saturday as usual. I just don't officially know the topic yet, but I will definitely have one out for you guys. And then as always, if you want to find the podcast, you probably already know how to do so by now. But if you don't, you can find it on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Radio Public, Acast, Blueberry, Podbean, and many other podcast directories. So thank you so much for listening, and please leave us a review and let us know what you thought. Thank you for listening to The Lace Experience. Thank you.